As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. We're live. There we go. There we go. We're live. We'll let it breathe just for a couple of more seconds. Make sure it's nice and stable for our great audience across social media. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, fresh off a new edition of Kelberman's Corner, your column that once we get back to having you know actual substantive football events taking place, I'm sure will be a weekly a weekly. Uh, Edition, but you talked about the idea of whether or not Jerry Judy could perhaps make obsolete Cortland Sutton, not obsolete, but what was the exact word? I'll I'll find it real quick. Uh, Whether or not it could, yeah, make him expendable. Thank you. That was a response. Obviously, it's a mailbag column. That was a response to something that a listener, a follower, a reader of of the site had for you. But kind of sum up your thoughts on that because I thought it was an interesting subject. Yeah, uh, it's a great question that I got that the the premise stating if Jerry Judy balls out, if Jerry Judy reaches his full potential with the Broncos in the NFL, could he make Cortland Sutton expendable? Could the Broncos think about not re-signing Sutton to an extension, not giving him a new contract when he's up for a contract in 2022? That was the premise of the question. And I kind of broke it down, not only from a financial standpoint where Sutton's on peanuts right now, Jerry Judy being on, even though he's a first-round pick with the rookie wage scale, he's on peanuts right now. But the bigger the bigger picture and the bigger reason as to why he's not going to is Sutton has skin in the game. Sutton is proven. Sutton is reliable. Sutton is Drew Locke's favorite target. And you compare that one singular fact with Jerry Judy not taking one single snap in the NFL just yet. He's a great talent. He's a great prospect. He has all the upside in the world. But until he gets on the field, he is still unproven. We heard, you know, he, he can be a borderline wide receiver one. We heard that about a- Ashley Louie. We heard that about Charles Rogers, Justin Blackman. There have been so many draft busts over the years. And I'm not saying that because Jerry Judy is going to bust. I think Jerry Judy will be a very, very fine receiver in Denver. The bigger point I'm trying to make is that until he proves himself, until he proves he can be that Amari Cooper, he can be that Marvin Harrison type. 
It's Cortland Sutton's team. It's Cortland Sutton's offense. And he has that rapport with Drew Locke. And as Jake Plummer wrote to me on Twitter, the legendary Broncos quarterback, that means a lot. The trust factor, the chemistry factor, and what I love is that they haven't even gotten started yet, Chad. You saw a glimpse last year of the Locke to Sutton connection. They haven't even gotten started. We cannot even say that much about Jerry Judy just yet. So when it's all said and done, my bold prediction right now is they will find a way to keep Judy and Sutton for the long term. You can have never have too many weapons on offense. And like I wrote in the last part, be sure to read it, guys, though. And like I wrote in my last sentence, just ask the Chiefs about that. Never yep. have too many offensive pieces. I like that you brought up the fact that Cortland Sutton last year found a way to produce the the volume and as prolific as he was in the face of three different starting quarterbacks yeah. from Joe Flacco to the Band-Aid Brandon Allen and then Drew Locke. And that only goes to bolster just how dynamic he can be with a bona fide signal caller like Locke starting all 16 games, stability, consistency, Sky's the limit. Now you're interjecting Jerry Judy into that mix, and it really is going to be fun to see how it all fits together. And for Pat Shermer, man, it sure is uh, an embarrassment of riches. This is an offense, an offensive coordinator, I should say, who's going to be loaded for bear on this hunt. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and that's also a point I made in the article is that there's so many mouths to feed in this offense. And when you include KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, in order for Judy to overtake Sutton, in order for the Broncos to even consider moving on from Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy would have to immediately become the wide receiver one. And him not being proven and him having to overcome Cortland Sutton and all the other mouths in this offense, Chad, it's just not going to happen. So the answer to that question in a roundabout way is no. At this point, man, we just want to see these guys out on the grass, and it's going to take yeah. some time. You know, we still are a little bit more than a month out from training camp starting. But as we talked about, I think we at least touched on it on Monday, Brandon McManus, who is the Denver Broncos NFLPA rep, has been on phone calls with the Players Union, working through some of the concerns and obstacles. But he told Nine News' Mike Kliss that he fully expects training camp to happen on time which is should be extremely encouraging. Doesn't mean they're to fans. Doesn't mean there won't be obstacles that need to be overcome between now and then, or even things that are currently unseen right now that might pop up down the road. But the players fully expect to not only have training camp start on time, but to play the 2020 season. And to that point, Zach, there was an interesting uh, piece of news that broke today on Wednesday, a little leak, if you will, of NFL owners planning on blocking out the first six to eight rows of uh, home stadiums to allow for two things. One, to put banner ads that they can sell advertising to offset what they expect to be some losses in terms of ticket sales. The second being to limit, you know, in theory, distance whoever shows up fans from any kind of, what is it? What do they call that? The, droplets, whatever, if coughs, people being sick, from being able to reach the players. My concern on that, Zach, is I think it's a great way to offset potential revenue losses. But two things. One, what does that mean to the season ticket holders or the people that actually have those seats? Like, what are you going to do for those people? And two, it wouldn't surprise me if this were to become, because it is another way to add some dollars to the revenue stream for NFL owners, and the players get to share in that uh, by, by uh, way of the salary cap that it might become a permanent thing beyond this era mm -hmm. in which the word that shall go unmentioned is kind of tweaking the way the leagues are, are operating. 
This definitely could be the new normal. I mean, we're at a state right now where just in life in general, we're we're dealing with inevitabilities and realizations that things might not go back to being how they were in, in January, how they were in mid-February. And it could be the NFL if this approach works, which it's all about money. Let's not pretend it's about the fans. It's about the anything else but money, the dollar sign. The NFL is a multi-billion dollar business. They're going to lose a ton of money if there's even limited fans in the stands and stadiums this season. So they have to try to offset that like you said that's a great way to do it because they're thinking of the money first and the fans second they want to block out some rows they can sell more advertisements they can put things where you'd see in the screen it's also better for the viewer aesthetically chad you're not going to see just empty rows of seats you're going to see at least some signage at least something pertaining to football or the stadium or the city so i applaud the nfl and they've been vigilant and diligent in trying to establish with the fan base with the players with the coaches there's going to be a season this year it's going to be awkward it's going to be weird it's going to be probably fanless or limited I don't know how they're going to do it in terms of season ticket holders, how they're going to allow some but not all, how they're going to socially distance. I still am a little apprehensive about being any fans in the stands this year. Well, at least – Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Finish your thought. No, I was going to say – at least we know there's going to be a season, and that's what I care about the most. And at least we know that if these teams are going to lose money, which they are, there's at least some way for them to, you know, counter that with these ads out um, the other thing that came out today, what I was going to tell you is, I'm sure you saw this, and I'm sorry, I can't remember who broke this, uh, but is NFL teams are going to leave it up to each individual franchise yeah. to determine how they handle seating, how they handle fan attendance. So originally we were thinking, well, it's got to be a uniform policy because you know they were worried about, for example, just with OTAs, coaches and players being able to be at the facility, they're worried about competitive balance, right? Just in OTAs, maintaining competitive balance. But if you leave it up to individual teams to determine their policy on fans, you know, how, what's the, what's the uh, ratio? Is it full attendance beyond the six to eight rows? Is it a third? How do you decide which season ticket holders get to see which, you know, all those things they're leaving it up to, to the teams to decide, which to me is very encouraging because there are going to be some markets We'll see how it plays out for for Denver in particular, but like compared to New York, there are going to be some markets where fan attendance is going to be a lot easier. You'll have a lot more fans with the confidence to be able to go out and and be in an outdoor situation and and be at a game where there's a lot of people. Whereas it might be a little bit more of a hot bug in different markets like New York or wherever it might be. Might yeah. right now maybe Arizona, maybe Phoenix, whatever where those teams are going to be a little bit more at the mercy of the word that shall go unmentioned, but they're leaving it up to each team and we'll see how those particular dominoes fall, but it's going to be interesting to see exactly how it does shake out. You know, just to play the contrarian though, I mean, who wants to be that team where let's say they allow a majority of fans in the stands and a lot of people catch cases and and the cases in that city spike and they can open, up, open themselves up to potential lawsuits or damages, or it's just bad publicity and bad people. That's the only thing I'm thinking of. It, it's I know it's up to each team has their own jurisdiction, and some cities aren't as hard-hit as others. They can have more fans in the stands. I just think they've been preaching the NFL this offseason, and rightly so, competitive balance. They shut down all facilities, even in the markets that weren't affected. How can some teams have, like Seattle, have more fans than others, and then teams like in, in New York – or Florida, they don't have they don't have the same amount. Of, it's just not fair. 
And that would raise one problem after another with the NFLPA. There's just so many things to work through. I don't even have the answer. I'm just being speculative. Right Honestly, now. at this stage, I think a lot, these two issues in particular of the blocking out the six to eight rows in, in each stadium and the idea of leaving it up to individual teams to determine fan attendance and all that. A lot of times the way it works in PR is these issues get leaked to kind of see what the response is going to be. And then based on that response, it might create new issues, new obstacles, new things that the organization didn't think about. The NFL owners are going to be having a, a big uh, Zoom meeting where they're going to be talking about all these issues. And so I think there was a reason those two things got leaked uh, over the last 24 hours. And there's going to be no perfect solution. I mean, that's the bottom line. But it might end up being that there's just no fans in 2020. We'll see. We'll see. Gang, really quick, I want to welcome in everybody that's been hanging out in the stream. We got Stu. We got Bronx Legend. We got Kenneth. We got everybody that uh, been hanging out for a minute, too. Yeah, it's good to see you guys. Duke, Vaughn uh, is with us, of course. It's good to see everybody. And if I didn't name you, don't think that we don't love you. A couple of quick matters of business, and then we want to get your guys' thoughts on this little Twitter spat that Melvin Gordon had with Brandon Stokely. First, though, a couple of quick matters of business. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with this show in real time. And while you're at it, follow at Mile High Huddle, the mother account, if you will. That way you're not missing any breaking Broncos news and analysis as it unfolds in real time. And, gang, if you're in a position, check out the merch store. Check out HuddleUpPod.com. Get your swag on. Get yourself one of these football priest hats. Get yourself one of these bad boys, one of these mugs, all right? Get yourself one of these face masks. I'm not going to put it on right now because it's really hot. Very styling to be out and about. There's a little something for everybody, boy, girl. um, Check it out if you're in a position. If you're not, it's all good. We are just happy to have you here. Please subscribe if you're on YouTube. Anywhere between 30 to 40% of the people that watch this show daily, religiously, are not subscribed. So make sure you take care of that. Subscribe, like, and if you really love what Zach and I are doing for you, share it out there to other like-minded Broncos uh, fans, your friends, your family members, and help the show grow. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits. For 6th through 12th graders, sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. All right, Zach, let me pull up this article really quick so that we can go through the timeline of this little spat. I'll recapitulate it for make sure everybody We're all on the same page, and then we'll just kind of talk about this. But I've been dying to get your thoughts on this because it is a little bit of a hot 
button issue, I think. And actually, before we do that, we've got, I don't want the chat stream to jump on us. So let me just, let's say hello and thank you to some of our super chat superstars that, are, that have chimed in early. Bronx, up, Bronx legend in the house. It's good to see you, my friend. Appreciate that support. He says, much love to the MHH squad. Hashtag state of being. Amen, brother. It's good to see you. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Some, a certain person I had to put in timeout, guys, that was kind of going a little aggro up front in the chat stream. So that shouldn't be a problem for the foreseeable future. Don't worry about him. Uh, one last thing. Hold on one second. We'll grab Derek here. Jumping in with a very generous super chat. Thank you, Derek. Really good to see you in the stream, Derek. He says, can't thank you guys enough for the pods. My wife's been through a lot this past year, and to see her happy, we can watch you guys together and enjoy the pod is everything. Thank you. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. That's awesome. That's to hear, so Derek. cool. Give uh, give the misses our best, and we are grateful to both of you for, for tuning in with us and participating in the chat and supporting the channel like that. It means the world to us, and uh, hopefully you both know that. All right, one more, and then we'll get to this Melvin Gordon real quick. Our boy, Clip Stormborn, in OG. the city of brotherly love, showing some some support on Super Chat. He says, happy hump day, priests and Broncos country. Wondering what you guys think of Eric's take on Christian Covington. Hashtag 8K on the way. Hashtag state of being. Hashtag let him hate. Yeah, let him hate. Let him hate Eclipse. Some some of the people that listen after the fact get a little uptight about how much time we spend with, with our community, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles. I don't know exactly what the take was that you're speaking of. I know what you're talking about in uh, the Broncos profile that he did on Christian Covington. I'm trying to think, was it to do with his ability to push the pocket as a pass rusher, bringing that to the table? Maybe clarify. You don't have to do it as a super check. Clarify. Buana can keep a, an eye out for what you meant uh, specifically, and we will happily, happily answer that. Um, Clay, we'll get to you here in just a few minutes, okay? Let me, let me. well, he says on Facebook, Chad, calm my fears. Me and my mother's boyfriend are worried that there won't be an NFL season because of the Cowboys and Texans fiasco. I want to see my Broncos torch Chris Harris Jr. and the light bulbs. Clay, Hopefully the conversation we just had at the first 10 minute segment of this show calms some of those fears. As I mentioned, the players are fully expecting to have a season. The players are fully expecting to start training camp on time. There are going to be little breakouts. And in fact, there's an argument to be made. I've heard it floated out there that if you're a young player, and again, this is a, a bug that is as far as high risk. I mean, no one is, you know, it perfectly, How's the best way to phrase this? I don't want to get into hot water. It's it's something that if for the age demographic of the NFL, in terms of it being a mortality risk, it's extremely low. I mean, it's for 24 years and younger, you're basically as likely to get struck by lightning and die than you would be to, to die from the word that she'll go and mention. So for these guys, Zach, there's a theory going around for NFL players. Maybe now is the time to go out there and get exposed to this thing so you can get it out of your system. You got the two-week keyword you get isolated for two weeks and all that so that by the time you get to the season you have created within your locker room within the league itself a kind of herd immunity now we're we're getting into buzzwords that could end up having this this particular <laughs> podcast demonetized or censored a little bit so i want to be careful but your thoughts for clay well i mean I, ezekiel elliott actually said today that you know he had cor- 
he had, I'll be careful, he had the issue and he had, uh, uh, he was asymptomatic, so it didn't really affect him. But he said, you know, people have kids, they might have kids with asthma, their parents or grandparents may live with them. So what he was saying, the overall point that Chad's trying to echo as well, it affects world-class class athletes differently people in their 20s people in their 30s differently than people in their 60s and 70s and the majority of people in the nfl that play on the field obviously are in their 20s and 30s so we don't have to worry about that you will get your wish there will be a season this year and you will see the broncos torch chris harris jr i'm looking forward to it as well all right let's get to this melvin gordon story and then we'll get to Stu. we will get to all the other super chats stacking up and qu- your questions and your comments here on the story let me do a quick screen share here because I want to, I want our listeners to be able to see kind of the timeline here. Uh, all right, bear with me one sec. Let me pause this video. It's going to try and follow me. me. Pause that and exit out. Okay, so this all took place yesterday, and I'll try and blow this up a little so everyone can can see it. But the way this thing got started, okay, everyone knows who Brandon Stokely is ex-Baltimore Raven, ex-Denver Bronco, wide receiver, ex-Colt, who uh, now, of course, makes his living as one half of the Stokely and Zach show of 104.3 The Fan in the afternoons in Denver. What really sparked this whole thing, though, Zach, was a tweet from SpotTrack that ranked current quarterback one, running back one, and wide receiver one. So that trio uh, in terms of what they're taking up on 2020 cap, and the Broncos are way down low at number 31 with 10.4 million. So between Melvin Gordon is they're assuming is RB one in this formula, drew lock and Cortland Sutton, they only combine to consume 10.4 million on the 2020 cap, which is extremely low, but even still his response Stokely, he quote tweeted it and said, just imagine if the Broncos didn't overspend on Melvin Gordon, where <laughs> else they could have spent that money. Well, That elicited a response from Gordon, who said, quote, LOL, of all players, they spent too much on me. LMA or LMFAO, you're wild. They need to take your check mark. All right. Well, didn't end there. Stokely replied, quote, 9 million this year, 13 fully guaranteed. It's a lot at the running back position, especially when you have a guy who wasn't making hardly anything. And he was producing at a very high level in Philip Lindsay. That Preach. money could have been spent elsewhere, in my opinion. Preach. And then his, his last reply, this is Gordon. <clears throat> I ain't got nothing to do with Phil. I'm unpaid, one. And two, don't rain on my parade because you ain't got nothing to talk about. I hope you get a pay cut because it's way more workers. It's actually for players that's more deserving than what you probably make. Shake my head. You sad. So. That is the timeline, Zach, in terms of the little dust-up that occurred. You know, it's not like, again, here we are sitting at the end of June. Not a whole lot happening in the world of sports, so it crosses our orbit. And even if even if there were other things going on, even if OTAs were going on or camp, it's noteworthy because what it shows here, Zach, is that Gordon is very sensitive about his Broncos contract for some reason. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, first of all, I think it's a little hypocritical that he's mad someone talking about his money, and then he roots for the guy to lose his job or take a pay cut. I just think, <laughs> you know, if you're an NFL player, you're making the contracts, you're making $16 million, most of which is guaranteed. Why even get into it with a reporter? Why Why even respond? Why even care? 
just let it slide off your shoulders. He's a veteran. He's been in the NFL a long time. He's heard criticism. I don't know why he is taking umbrage with that comment. I think, though, he's on Twitter like everybody else. He sees and hears Philip Lindsay's comments like everybody else. He knows he's coming into a situation that caused a little bit of resentment from his arrival and you can't fault Melvin Gordon for getting paid. That's the Broncos paying him. He's going to take the money, but he knows that Philip Lindsay was a fan favorite. Philip Lindsay didn't get get paid. Philip Lindsay is pissed off about Melvin Gordon's arrival. So I think he's trying to defend himself at every turn. This is the overtime podcast network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Absolutely. And I want to remind you guys, you're, you're probably right. He's sensitive to the fact that as the outsider coming in from a rival team, not everybody was completely stoked to see him arrive, at least in the way that he did. Philip Lindsay, uh, back in May in a conversation with Terrell Davis, admitted that he was upset by it. But then he took a more mature kind of perspective on <clears throat> trying to find the silver lining and a, a resolve to really team up with Gordon and make make it for a potent one-two punch. But let me just read this quote from Lindsay. This is back from May. When the Broncos signed Gordon, quote, it caught me off guard because I was like, okay, I've put in the work. I've done all this. And it makes it seem like they don't respect you enough to know the work you're putting in. So I was really upset at the beginning. I'm not going to lie. But then I started to think, and I'm like, okay, the thing is this. If something happens to me or something happens to him, it's hard. When I wasn't in the game, stuff was not going as well or smooth. This is true. But if you have somebody that can compliment me like I did my rookie year, where I'm not just running up the middle trying to get first downs all day, I was like, okay, this takes some pressure off of me. Now I can do my job and use my speed to do my stuff and stay healthier too. 
So Zach, that's close quote. That's that was Lindsay's kind of mature take and admission that it did upset him. And then here's what yeah. Gordon said about his new teammate. Quote, this was in May as well. Quote, as far as with Lindsay, he's a great back. I watched him up close in person. These last few days, I've been watching film on him as well, just kind of seeing how they open things up for him and analyzing him a little bit. I think we can be a great one-two punch. Me and Austin Eckler were kind of that one-two punch. I feel like we were one of the better tandems in the league. I just hope to continue that with Lindsey, close quote. So both of them are saying the right things with regard to the other, right? When the topic comes up, they're both being very diplomatic. And yet Gordon still is a little bit sensitive over the contract thing. And as I laid out in this article, guys, go check it out at milehighhuffle.com. It, it goes back to the same issues that Zach and I have not debated amongst ourselves because we're in agreement, but the same issues that we have promulgated. Some, some of our listeners take exception. Some, some Broncos fans are completely, were completely stoked to see Melvin Gordon get signed for $16 million over two years. But the two biggest issues is that that took money off the off the table for Philip Lindsay, ostensibly. And two is the fact that I, you got to question the wisdom of paying top of the line, top of the market money to a running back on a second contract. Very rarely do, does that second thing pan out for teams. Does that mean the Broncos can't be the exception? Absolutely not. They totally could. I mean, the stars could be aligning for this offense to be just a perfect collection of talent. But that's just one of those things where we got to believe it when we see it. You know, in hindsight, Melvin Gordon comparing the comments comes off disingenuous because you see who he really is on Twitter. You see how he really feels. He's a lot more sensitive than the coach speak that he's he's putting out there about Philip Lindsay. And people show you who they really are, Chad. And I think Phil, Melvin Gordon is showing that he's a little sensitive and he's a little, I don't know, reading his own press clippings too much, desperate for attention and trying to control the narrative that surrounds him. It's like, why are you arguing with a radio host? You're making $8 million. Why do you care? I mean, you're, you're, you've been in the game. And mm -hmm. uh, I just think, uh, you know, the Broncos could, I agree with Stokely completely. They could have spent the money on a tackle. They could have spent the money right. on a guard. They could have spent the money on safety, a cornerback. That's where I have a problem with the two. He's an oak. He's a good player. He'll help this offense. Yeah. But the Broncos already had in my money for my money, a workhorse and Philip Lindsay. He can catch no matter what the Broncos think. He can run between the tackles, outside the tackles. He can pass block. I, I, they could have drafted a running back and saved the money. They didn't have to cut a guy $8 million a year for one role. It, I agree with uh, Stokely in that sense. So the bone that many of our listeners and, and many fans will take with our perspective on this is that Lindsay, first of all, first of all, struggled to move the, move the needle on third down and as a, as you know, pick up first downs in third and shorts, fourth and shorts, things like that. The other thing is his, his um, ability as a pass blocker and pass pro and then also his receiving chops out of the backfield. And that that's where Melvin Gordon's going to really earn his, you know, his stripes, so to speak. That's where it really comes in as being a clutch move for the Broncos. I get what, what they're saying about that. I think there are a lot of mitigating factors why last year Philip Lindsay went from his rookie year being just a dynamic pop-off uh, playmaker in the NFL to being a lot more of, as he kind of described in that conversation with Terrell Davis, where he's just plodding between the tackles, trying to pick up first downs. There were no, there was no creative juice in the in terms of the scheme from from the design of Rich Scangarello to really set Philip Lindsay up in a position where he could be that dynamic guy. And then conversely, there was no backup to help take some of the pressure off, allow him to be fresh, allow force defenses to focus a little bit on two different guys. 
Royce Freeman was kind of that the first half of Lindsay's rookie season, but last year he really wasn't. Freeman was one of the bigger disappointments of the 2019 season. Yep. And so for, to those people that have that perspective, I totally get what you're saying. Like none of our, none of our criticism of the Gordon deal has ever had anything to do Zach with what he brings to the table as a player. He's a fine player. He's a fine running back, but is his ability to catch passes out of the backfield, whatever, wherever he's at, if Lindsay's here, and Gordon's here, let's say, as a pass catcher and a third down pass protector. Is that gap worth $8 million per year? Is it really worth that to you? And not only that, is it also worth Lindsay not being happy, not getting right. paid, you know, being not so much disgruntled? I'm not going to say that about him, but just not feeling the love from his team. Right. That's exactly what it is. It's the team morale. And uh, Elway didn't pay for Philip Lindsay. He didn't hasn't signed Justin Simmons yet, but he'll sign an outside player, a former rival player, to a $16 million contract when they could have just drafted a pass-catching running back. And the Broncos are pretending and fans are pretending that Lindsay literally can't catch passes. Go on my Twitter account right now. There's a video from last season where he corrals an errant Joe Flacco pass, shakes a guy, and runs for about 30 yards down the field. That's what Philip Lindsay can do. In terms of Gordon, though, does it feel like we traded Chris Harris Jr. in for Melvin Gordon in terms of attitude and personality, just kind of complaining and whiny and sensitive? I, I don't like players like that, Jeff. C.J. Anderson was the worst on Twitter when it came to that. He would reply to every single person if they said something bad about him. I don't know why Gordon, he hasn't been paid yet. Yeah, that's coming when the, when the season starts. Obviously, no one's been paid yet. But he got guaranteed money. He got an $8 million a year contract. Um, he should not be getting into a spat right now with a radio host. Don't be so sensitive. Do by you? The, sorry, by the way, dude, what I'm, I still don't quite understand what he meant by one. I'm unpaid. Yeah. You haven't gotten your game checks yet, but you got a signing bonus. I, I don't, I don't know. Where's, what do you mean you're unpaid? I didn't quite understand that. I wonder if it was a typo or maybe he was talking about at the time as a free agent, he was unpaid. You know, he was looking to get paid. I'm unpaid looking for my next, I'm not sure what he meant by that. Uh, and by the way, Stu, Zeus himself descending yeah. on down from MHH Mount Rushmore to drop a very generous super chat. It's good to see you, my friend. Thank you for your, for your support. As always, he says, perhaps some sort of ticket lottery, dialing back real quick, the conversation to what to do with season ticket holders, how it, let's say, well, if the NFL ends up adopting this, blocking out the first six to eight rows uh, approach, those, what are you going to do with the season ticket holders in those seats? Even if they don't end up doing that and you want to limit fan attendance, like in the locker room, for example, here's an example of social distancing players in the locker room. They're instead of being right next to each other, locker to locker, it goes Von Miller locker, empty locker, you know, Bradley Chubb locker. So there's an empty locker in between each one, Something like that in the stands where instead of you being shoulder to shoulder next to, you know, your fellow fans in the stands, they might have a one seat gap or whatever it might be to try and mitigate the potential spread if, if possible. What Stu's saying here is a potential ticket lottery. These are all things that I think have to be considered. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, you think about if a ticket lottery happens and season ticket holders don't get it, but some do, they're going to be pissed off. They're going to, re you know, renege on their on their you know season tickets, and they're going to flock the fan. It's just it comes down to business, and the NFL is trying to salvage any penny they can right now in terms of revenue, in terms of box office, TV contracts. 
But again, it, it's also competitive balance, and you can't have one stadium with 80% capacity, another with 25%. It just can't be. So it's either all or nothing. And right now, as we stand, we don't know anything right now. Things are constantly changing. The goalposts are constantly moving. Right now, I'm a little wary that we're not, you know, we're going to have fans this season. I'm still thinking no, but at least there's a season. That's all I keep saying. At least we're going to have yeah. football in the fall. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Ben Roth jumping in with a super chat. Really appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Ben. He says, to help get us by until the season, Patrick Mahomes and Ed Orgeron should stream a Zoom meeting. Imagine how ridiculous the conversation is. <laughs> yeah, Kermit the Frog with, what, the cookie monster? Like, that's what it would sound like, basically, Zach. I'd love to hear him talk football, though. I mean, from an yeah. X's and O's standpoint, that'd be, that'd be pretty great. Absolutely. Um, here's a question from Kenneth on YouTube. He wants to know, Zach. With them having trouble signing Dak long-term, talking about the Cowboys, would you be interested in trading for Locke as far as the Cowboys? Mm. Would it be a good idea for the Broncos to look at moving Locke? They'd be adding a quarterback that's already proven, meaning a Locke for Dak type of trade. Yeah. Your thoughts? Player-for-player player trades are so, so rare in the NFL. This isn't the NBA where that happens way more often. And the Cowboys really like Dak. He, he really is their franchise quarterback, and I think he's a top-10 guy. And the Broncos, conversely, they like Drew Locke. They feel he can be a franchise cornerstone. I think both teams are in good positions, but from the Cowboys' standpoint, they're going to sign Dak, and even if they don't get a deal done and something happens, they have Andy Dalton. And Andy, Andy Dalton's not a great starter, but he's a great backup to have. So Dallas is fine. I don't think they would make that trade. And the Broncos, I don't think, would make that trade either. I think they really are high on Drew Locke, and they see him as the guy for a long time. I mean, I get what you're asking, but it's very much a pie-in-the-sky topic. Something like that's just not going to happen. Eclipse clarifying his previous uh, Super Chat saying about Covington, just asking in general if his overall ability and will he actually end up on the roster. I know he came from the Cowboys and Zach covers the Cowboys. Yeah, so Covington, I guess, Zach, we should probably pull up his contract. I don't remember. Yeah, uh, that was the indication is. to me that he's going to make the squad. That he They gave him a – I don't think it was a one-year deal, and if it was, they gave him some guaranteed money. 
So, so it is a uh, standby. It is uh, Christian Covington signed a one-year, $1.5 million contract, including 600 k mm. guaranteed. So to me, what that says is they're expecting him to probably make the roster, but it's not going to be much skin off their teeth if one of the young guys beats him out or if he just can't right. overcome a DeMarcus Walker or a Draymond right. Jones. So he is definitely – he brings something to the table as an interior rusher, but you got to keep in mind if you're just, – just to play devil's advocate is, again, it's not a huge loss financially, six hundred grand if they end up having to cut him because, look, you've got three former high-round draft picks of this team – you know, waiting in the wings that he's going to have to be down. I'm talking Draymond Jones, Demarcus Walker, and McTelvin Ajim this year's rookie third round pick. So, those are a lot of uh, that's a lot stacked against him. And it really would, I guess, that come down to roster math in terms of how many defensive linemen the Broncos ultimately end up keeping. But if I had to wager on it now, like if you said to me, "Does Draymond Jones make this roster?" Yes. Does McTelvin Ajim make this roster? Yes. Both those two guys almost certainly make this roster. Demarcus Walker, you know, I could see Covington beating him out. And conversely, I could see Walker, based on what we've seen from him in the past, you know, if he decides to flip the switch and fall in line the way his coaches want him to and stop getting sent to the doghouse and whatnot, I could see him blowing the doors down and rendering Covington uh, obsolete in this sense. But your, what's your take on it? Well, I also look at when the Broncos signed him, which was late April, when they were right in the midst of forming the roster, right around draft time. I, I do think the Broncos like him as a potential guy on the 55-man roster. He, and it comes down to, like you just hit on, it's Covington versus Walker for that last spot. I think they signed Covington to put some pressure on Marcus Walker. This is a make-or-break season for him. He hasn't proven himself yet, and maybe they need a, a fire under him the same way they're having a Wilkinson compete with Garrett Bowles. Some guys just rise up to challenges better, and Walker has been in the doghouse now over two different regimes. Covington, to answer the question more directly, he's a better overall player than Demarcus Walker. He's better against the run. Uh, Walker has higher pass rushing upside, but he's good in his own right as well, Covington. So Covington has the edge to me. I love Demarcus Walker, big fan of his, but I think when the Broncos signed him and why the Broncos signed him to compete with Walker gives him the the edge on the on the roster spot. Duke jumping in with a $10 super. Really appreciate Thank that, you, my friend. He says, when and why did running backs in today's NFL become throwaway players? Terrell Davis, Barry Sanders, Bo Jackson, et cetera, were once considered faces of their franchises. You know, it's true. I remember those days as a kid, uh, some of the biggest stars in the league, you know, collecting cards and just paying attention were running backs, just as you elucidated. I think – the biggest thing, Zach, has to do with the fact that the running game, it's its kind of actually a, a very nuanced situation what unfolded for running backs. But boiling it down, it really comes down to how the modern NFL went away from the ground and pound and became a passing league. And that just took the importance away from running backs as, as, to, as being cru- as crucial as they were back in the day. And then you throw in the high attrition rate similar to inside linebackers, you know, there's a, they, they get exposed to a lot of contact. They get exposed to a lot of potential injury collisions. And so their, their shelf life is extremely limited. And when it's extremely limited and the supply is, is ubiquitous, I mean, it just lowers the value for running backs. That's just the way it is. Now, if you are a game changing style running back, like even Todd Gurley in his prime before, 
you know, injuries started taking their toll. Look at what Zeke does for that Cowboys offense. Gordon, I think, you know, you could maybe argue, look at, imagine, for example, the Broncos offense in 2018 without Philip Lindsay. My God, okay. think about that. So it's not that they don't have value. It's just that their shelf life is so finite. Usually even the, even the greats in the modern game, you know, it's like a five, six year window, even for the greats, like Todd Gurley looked like he was, he was on his way to the hall of fame, yeah. basically his first, you know, four or five years in the league. That's really what it comes down to Zach. You nailed it. Yeah, it's a passing league now. It's just the the NFL evolves. I mean, at one time, there were no passing plays at all in the NFL. There was no forward motion with the football, and now it's a passing league. It's just that's the way it's become. But there's always going to be teams that have a running back as the face of their franchise. Look at Saquon Barkley, uh, Christian McCaffrey. But the last really, you know, overall big face, the the cornerstone guy was Adrian Peterson with the Vikings. Ever since Mm -hmm. then, in the mid to late 2000s, it's really become a passing league, coalescing with Peyton Manning in Denver, Tom Brady in New England, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. It's just become a quarterback-driven league. But you're always going to have teams that rely on running backs, and running backs who have value will always have a spot and always be impact players, no matter what. Trey is concerned. He says, just tuned in, heard the shade you was throwing about answering Super Chats. He says, it's not hating. It's the fact that you're wasting people's time when they tune in for news, but then you all go off on tangents. So, Trey, my advice to you would be, first of all, I would ask you this question, and it's slightly rhetorical because the answer is self-evident. How many of the super chats that we answer have nothing to do with the news of the day? Almost none of them. Almost every single one has to do with whatever the news of the day is or the subject we chose to talk about at the top of the show, right? Going beyond that, if you're looking for just a conversation amongst two football analysts that set up a rundown and they just march through the conversation, there are a lot of podcasts out there for you. If that's the model you're looking for, this is a little bit different. It's it's a, it's a more of a community type of a feel. So we understand what you're saying, but I would definitely pick a bone with you that we're wasting anybody's time. And if you feel that way, again, there are other podcasts out there, my friend. I wouldn't say they're tangents either. I think we're answering the question with the passion and the, and the knowledge that we have. And I think our, our audience appreciates that. It's not to pat ourselves on the back. I just think it's reality. And I anyone who saw me on the old 24-7 Facebook Lives, I would even say almost every show, I can't get to every question. It's impossible in a, in a time frame, in a finite time frame, to get to every question. I think we do the best we can, Chad, to take super chats, non-super chats, Facebook, you know, Twitter, Twitch, all these different pat- platforms, Periscope. And we're, and we're trying to include everyone. I think, you know, teach their own different strokes for different folks. If you don't like it, yeah. I'm sorry to hear it, but onward we go. Uh, Chili Head 101 says, and this is important. The reason I want to bring this up is, again, I we, we criticize the Melvin Gordon move for monetary reasons, and there are a lot of factors that play into the monetary reasons why we criticize, but Melvin Gordon is a Bronco, and I, I agree that fans – should close ranks around him, offer him the same support you would any other player in the orange and blue. Chile had 101 here says, Melvin is one of our guys now, regardless of how much we paid. We need to accept him or he'll be a distraction in the locker room and hurt any chances of us having an elite backfield. I don't know about those second things, the, the second thing that you said there, my friend, but I do agree with you that, you know, don't don't take what we're saying as as – you know, Gordon's not a player to be valued now that he's a Bronco. We're both looking forward to seeing what he he brings to the table in this offense. And if Drew Locke ends up being the truth that we think that he is, and Pat Shermer ends up being the savvy OC, 
that the NFL at large thinks that he is, it could pan out quite well for Melvin Gordon. But here's my thing. If we have to pamper this guy and not upset him and walk on eggshells around him not to for him not to cause a problem in the locker room, I don't want that guy in my locker room. And that's why I said he reminds me of Chris Harris Jr. If he's going to be so sensitive and he's going to take issue with every single thing said about him, that's poisoning the locker room in itself. And that's what I was worried about with him. He held out. I mean, to do that into the season, to hold out, to be away from your team, that says a lot about your character or lack thereof. And I, that's a part of the reason, too, I wasn't crazy with Melvin Gordon, the player, not just Melvin Gordon, the contract. Uh, Miller, appreciate that, my friend. Really do appreciate you. Um, let me grab this question here and comment on Facebook from Charlie. He says, Stokely is correct. However, Gordon is going to be a great addition. As a result, we are going to win a few more games, in my opinion. What's that worth when you have plenty of cap space? So that's a fair point. If by virtue of, of Melvin Gordon's presence on this roster, it moves the needle in the win column by even one, one win by virtue of Melvin Gordon now being a Bronco, maybe he catches that pass or runs that route or prevents that blitzer from taking down Drew Locke, whatever it might be. If it moves the needle by one game, is it worth the $8 million this year, Zach? I don't know. I mean, one game for eight million bucks. I, I don't know if I make that trade off. And, and you can't quantify that though, unless he's literally scoring the game-winning touchdown as time expires. How? What do we know that he's worked to the Broncos? I just think they could have got a player comparable for five million a year. They could have drafted one for what a million bucks a year. I mean, he'll help the Broncos out, but whether he single-handedly is the difference between eight wins versus ten wins, I don't know about that. Uh. Beast, can you grab Terry's super chat? The stream jumped him. The closest one I see is from Glenn. If you can grab, if you have access to Terry and Ronjo, otherwise I can I can do it the uh, reverse engineer way. But if it's possible, let me know. Uh, meanwhile, I'm going to grab Glenn here, who says appreciate that super chat, Glenn. As you know, thank my you, Glenn. Friend. Stokely may have may upset Melvin, but as an aside, he was an interesting character in the pursuit of Peyton Manning. Nikki Jabala had an amazing piece in the athletic hashtag state of being. Yeah. I mean, Stokely very much was involved in the uh, recruitment and of Peyton Manning and the kind of making him feel at home in Denver. If I'm not mistaken, I haven't read the piece, Glenn, I'm just going off my memory right now, but if I'm not mistaken, when, when Peyton came in for the workouts to when, when Peyton came in to meet uh, with, would see the facility and meet with John, the Johns, John Elway, John Fox, he stayed with Brandon Stokely, who, of course, they were old buddies. Not only are they both from Louisiana, but they played together in Indy for all those years. So Stokely very much had uh, an influence on Peyton choosing to come to the Denver Broncos. How great that ultimately was, I mean, we'd have to ask Peyton, but you're right. Stokely does, you know, Broncos fans in a very real sense have Brandon Stokely to thank for Peyton Manning choosing Denver. And Zach, that first year Peyton was in Denver, 2012, Stokely had a very solid campaign as a slot receiver. He was very reliable. In fact, that that comeback that we've talked about on the podcast many times that really kicked off the Peyton Manning era in Denver against the Chargers, where they were down 24-0 at halftime, came storming back. Brandon Stokely caught a touchdown over his shoulder in tight coverage in the corner of the end zone in that game that very few human beings on this earth could have could have caught. So Tip your cap to Stokely. He's got his own little unique place in Broncos history. 
Yeah, he he wasn't just a jag coming along with Peyton Manning. I mean, if you're a safety blanket to Peyton, whether you're Reggie Wayne or Dallas Clark or Brandon Stokely, you have value. And that's why he has a radio show in Denver. That's why he's doing well for himself, and he carved out a niche for himself in the Broncos market. I I also happen to agree with him in this take. Not always do I see eye-to-eye with Brandon Stokely. He has some takes that I don't really, you know, I'm not crazy about. But this time, Melvin Gordon, I think he's spot on. Let's grab Terry here. Terry, I'm sorry the, the chat stream jumped you, so we're but we're still going to give you the love and appreciate you, my friend, jumping Thank in. Thank you, Terry. One of our bona fide superstars in the stream each and every podcast. He's saying, hashtag state of being, hashtag Broncos world up in Canada, proving that Broncos country is not a geographic location, but in fact, it is a state of being. And let me grab here Ronjo, 27, showing some love as well. This will only take a quick second. Sometimes we have to do it the reverse engineer way where we copy and paste it in. Most of the time we get them in, in real time. But Ronjo, jumping in, really appreciate the super. Thank you. He says, uh, love the pod, guys. I don't always get to listen live, but wanted to show some love to the show and all of Broncos country. Hashtag Very cool. state of being. Rad, awesome. dude, we really do appreciate you. Thanks for uh, saying hi. All right, let's see what else is in the stream. What else, what else is on everybody's mind? Todd here on YouTube, he's saying, honestly, I like signing Gordon versus having Royce Freeman. Was there something else we could have done with the money and the position? Of course. Why draft a second pass-catching tight end? It was a luxury. That was a bad yeah. move, too. <laughs> they, could, they could both be true. Both moves that Zach and I criti- uh, were critical of. Uh, we were critical of the Melvin Gordon signing. We were critical of the Nick Vanette signing. And we were critical of the Albert O signing. Now, again, almost none of our criticism had anything to do with those individual players because I think Albert O could really be something in the NFL, especially being reunited with Drew Locke. I think Nick Vanette could be a really solid kind of Jeff Hireman, slightly better version of Jeff Hireman in this <laughs> offense as a number Hopefully. two tight end, solid veteran guy. And honestly, Melvin Gordon could end up being a – eight, nine hundred thousand yard rusher and Lindsay coming close to the same and producing some prolific receptions and receiving yards. And it could really end up shaking out that way. It's just the the way we view it from a roster construction perspective. And Zach, where could you have spent that money if you don't pay eight million this year, nine million, I think on the cap this year to Melvin Gordon, you go out and you're not as tied. your, Your hands aren't tied behind your back when it comes to, hey, you got Jason Peters sitting out there on the market. You've got Cordy Glenn. You've got Kelvin Beecham. Instead of you having to kick the can down the road and just say, well, we'll, we'll wait yep. till camp and see how, how uh, Garrett Bowles is looking or we'll hope that Juwan James can stay healthy, you can preempt that because you have the cap space, you got the cash to get that done. Little things like that. Cornerback depth as well. Nailed it. Yeah, I was going to say, you could have signed a Mukamara. You could have signed Logan Ryan. And to your point, which is absolutely spot on, it's not who they got, it's who they passed up to get Instead, it's who they passed up drafting, maybe in the second round with Hamler, maybe in the third round with, with uh, Michael O, definitely with Melvin Gordon, who they could have signed instead. It's that, like Chad said, from a roster construction standpoint, Melvin Gordon should be an asset. But is he an asset enough to be worth $8 million per year? And based on the projections, Chad, we went over that, the SI.com projections for for Melvin Gordon, it was mm-hmm. like 350 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. Whereas Philip Lindsay was projected to have more. Now, is that worth $16 million? If you're going to bring a guy in and pay, pay him eight a year, and then your incumbent guy outperforms him, 
Is it worth it? No. It, it, but then again, if you have Elijah Wilkinson starting a tackle and he gets blown off the ball every snap, he gets your quarterback killed, would you go back and criticize the Broncos for spending money where they shouldn't? That's my thing. Honestly, Zach, if Philip Lindsay wasn't already on this roster, I would be far less critical about the Melvin Gordon deal. Oh, yeah. But he is. <laughs> He's a back-to-back 1,000-yard rusher, and – is he the second coming of Christian McCaffrey right now? No, he's he's got to work on his receiving chops. But I think he he felt the onus of and the need to do that well before the Broncos went out and signed Melvin Gordon. In fact, as Philip Lindsay is packing up his belongings following the season finale in the Broncos locker room, saying goodbye to the media, the whole nine yards, he's saying when they're asking, hey, what are you going to focus on this offseason? What do you got cooking? It's like, you know, I'm going to probably hook up with Christian McCaffrey we get together with Theo Riddick, and I'm going to work on my receiving chops. That's the one area of my game I feel like I can do better at, and I need to improve it. He was already feeling that call to improve that aspect of his game, and I think that as talented of a player as he is and as smart as he is, I think giving the focus on, on really getting those reps down from a receiving perspective, that he has it within him to become that better Running back. So again, if Philip Lindsay wasn't on this roster, I would at least understand the Melvin Gordon deal a lot more. I still would question the wisdom, though. It's, it still would. I would still have misgivings about the wisdom of paying a top of the market contract to a running back on his second uh, contract and on his second team. And you always mention what running back at any level has held Philip Lindsay down. Who hasn't Philip Lindsay overcome over the course of his football career? Literally no one. I, I mean, he's literally overcome every single obstacle. And you know what? As it applies to him, let him hate. Let Melvin Gordon talk right now. Let Melvin Gordon be the RB1. Philip Lindsay will show him and the Broncos what he's capable of. I think he's in store for a huge season in 2020. Terry Randall jumping back in on Super Chat. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Terry. How much cushion would Chris Harris Jr. have to give KJ Kareem, Kareem Jackson, KJ? Oh, KJ Hamler. Hello. How much cushion would Chris Harris have to give to KJ Hamler? Um, Significant. A lot. (laughs) That's the one thing Harris has never been as fast. I mean, he's fast enough, right? He's always been fast enough. But think back to the 2014 divisional round playoff loss to the Indianapolis Colts. When, for whatever reason, Jack Del Rio, <clears throat> the, the defensive coordinator of, at the time, just made the decision to – odd decision to allow T.Y. Hilton just to run, run roughshod over that Broncos defense and that twitchy, quick speed. So, yeah, Harris Jr. probably would have to, to relinquish a pretty significant cushion on KJ. But maybe the opposite perspective would be the best way to counter that is to jam him at the line, get right up in his yeah. grill and in, and inhibit his ability to get off the snap clean. So maybe you don't want to cushion KJ if you're Chris Harris. That's a good point. I, I think regardless, though, when KJ's on the field, he's going to draw a lot of bracket coverage, a lot of over-the-top help from safety. So whether that's Derwin James or somebody else, it wouldn't be Chris Harris Jr. alone, I think, when he's matched up in the slot against KJ Hamler. Chris, you got it, my friend. No problem. It's our pleasure. We're happy to have you here. Miller wants to know, if Drew Locke balls out this year, how many wins do you see Denver getting? Zach, if, if Drew Locke balls out and ends up being the truth, again, I see a 10 to 11 win season if those yeah. dominoes fall perfectly for Locke and the Broncos. I took some heat for this, and it makes it, it, it comes off as orange-colored glasses. But as I said before, that I hate the 8-8 eight and eight predictions, right? Because you're what are you really predicting here? What are you really 
if you're going to make a prediction, like take a stance, you know, like right. just whatever your take is, like just get out there and take a stance. I took some heat for saying nine and seven is the floor for the Broncos. It is a little, it is a little orange colored. I get that. But I really do think that all the improvements they've made, the upgrades they've made on the offensive side, Zach, combined with the additions of Jarrell Casey, combined with getting Bradley Chubb back, Bryce Callahan, and Vic Fangio really kind of having his orientation now in the league as a head coach slash defensive coordinator calling plays from the sideline, I really think this is a team that can make some noise. See now, I don't think nine and seven is rose colored. Thirteen and three, maybe fourteen and two. That's definitely you know orange color, rose color, whatever color you want to use. But nine and seven, when they went seven and nine last year with Joe Flacco starting eight games, and Drew Locke went four and one in five starts. So how is two more victories on top of that anything other than the expectation? It should be what the Broncos expect, not what the Broncos are hoping for. Nine and seven, ten and six, that is their window. But as I wrote in my column today, literally the term balls out is so subjective. What does that mean? Does that mean he's going to be an MVP? Does that mean he's going to be an all pro, a pro bowler? Is going to be just a 4,000 yard guy? If he takes the step forward like the Broncos think he's going to take, they will be a nine, 10 win team. They will be in the wild card. They will be in the playoffs. So that's what I think is the prediction we can give right now. Zyka becoming a bona fide super chat superstar with a uh, $3 super. Appreciate that, my Thank friend. You. He's making the statement that Drew Locke is yeah. better than Dak Prescott. And I, here's what I'll I say disagree. on that. Prescott is more proven up to this point because right. he's got more years in the league. But I think from an arm talent perspective, Drew Locke does have Dak Prescott beat. What about between the years? Which player has more of the moxie? Which player has more of the football IQ? Which player – you know, has just that it factor. I think they both have the it factor. It's just a question of, you know, levels, I guess. Dak's a very smart quarterback, and I think he has a little more wiggle to his game. He's a little bit better with his legs than Drew Locke. I recently tweeted this, though, that right now, Dak Prescott is a better quarterback. I mean, that's not being a hater. That's not having some motive against Drew Locke or, or some agenda. I mean, Dak Prescott is probably a top seven or eight guy in the NFL. We cannot say that yet about Drew Locke. So right now, Dak is better. But in this year, in the years to come, and in two years from now, can that change? Absolutely. Drew Locke can be the better quarterback. He can have the better career. Regardless, though, both teams, the Cowboys and the Broncos, are in good hands where they want to be. All right, guys, we are getting close to the sign-off hour here. We're approaching, we're about four minutes out, so we can get one or two more questions. Let me just make sure we're not missing anything. We appreciate the uh, sentiment, guys. Dave, it's been a minute since we've seen our friend Dave from Georgia jumping in, showing some love on Super. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you, bro. He says, thanks for all you guys do and keeping us up on the Broncos. I'm not hot or cold on Gordon, but if he helps us win games, I'm good with him. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. If it all comes out in the wash in the form of dubs in the standings, no one's going to be looking back on this deal going, man, Broncos really missed the boat. In fact, unless Gordon gets hurt, knock on wood, unless Gordon gets hurt, it's probably not going to be viewed in retrospect as a bad decision. So, and he doesn't really have much of a propensity or a for injury or an injury prone reputation. <clears throat> he's been banged up, you know, and he's got some carries under his belt. He's got some some of that tread on his tires has been worn off a little bit, but I think he's still got, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna hazard take, you know, take the risk on paying a running back. 
I think a two-year window is is the is kind of that max that you would want to go for a second second contract guy. Two years. And the ironic thing about this, Zach, is both Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon will actually become unrestricted free agents the same year in two years. So yeah. after this year, Philip becomes a restricted free agent if the Broncos don't extend him. And so then you get to 2021, which is the second year of Gordon's deal. And uh, then after that, you've got after they both Lindsay's playing on the RFA tender next year and you got Gordon in his final year. Then they both hit unrestricted free agents. So the Broncos aren't aren't going to be uh, strong armed. They don't have to make a decision on on Lindsay technically until then. There he's under team control. But if you want to make him happy, he's already outkicked his coverage on that rookie deal. He's outplayed that by a mile. You, you throw some money his way. Maybe it's not the eight million dollar level, and you know he's got to take that as a consolation. Or maybe he tells you to pound sand. And I'll wait till I'm an unrestricted free agent in 2022 and let those chips fall. Yeah, I agree with you in terms of Lindsey. In terms of Melvin Gordon, if he runs for 1,000 yards or catches a bunch of passes and scores a lot of touchdowns, I'll be the first one to eat crow. I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong. I have no problem coming on here and saying, listen, I was wrong about this player. But conversely, if he comes in and doesn't really do much, if he has less receiving yards than Philip Lindsay somehow, if he doesn't really live up to that contract, I'm going to maintain my stance on him. He has to prove he's worth the money, same as every other player in the NFL, same as Von Miller on the Broncos, same as a lot of other people. If they're given big contracts and given a big role, you have to justify it. Melvin Gordon is no different. Well said, my friend. All right, we got time for one or two more. And Ginger Ninja, it's just good to have you in the stream, man. Hope everything went okay with your move. Uh, your girlfriend's move. KP jumping in, showing some love out Appreciate in Florida. You, Always hashtag Florida strong. He says, who are we going to cut to free up cap space when the roster cuts come? Well, if you're specifically making those cuts, looking for a little wiggle room, looking to generate some Evan Mathis money, Jeff Hireman is probably the prime candidate to hit the bricks. Be- besides him from saving money perspective, you're actually getting into the – you know, you're, you, you'd be dispensing with real real starters, real role players. He's the only one I really see is the team really having flexibility and not taking a huge step backward from an impact yeah. perspective by cutting them. Yeah, he's the big one. I mean, he cleared $4 million in, in, in available money right this second. I was going to say Jake Budd as well, but that wouldn't be a lot of money saved, even though he's expendable too. Todd Davis, perhaps, but I think they're going to go into the season with him as a starting linebacker. Really, the only no-brainer cut on the roster is Jeff Hireman. And why he still has a job on June 24th is beyond me. Ginger Ninja jumps back in on Super Chat. Thank you, my Thank friend. You. To say, can Gordon wear down defenses for Lindsay? Hashtag MHH gang. That's part of what Lindsay was saying in that remark, that quote I read to you guys earlier in this podcast is that, you know, keeping each other fresh, there's something to be said for that. But this last little section here where he says, <clears throat> uh, if you have somebody that can compliment me like I did my rookie year, where I'm not just running up the middle trying to get first downs all day, I was like, okay, this takes some pressure off me. Now I can do my job and use my speed to do my stuff and stay healthier too. Close quote. So, yes, I mean, in theory, if it really is a 1A, 1B type of dynamic between Lindsey and Gordon, they'll do that for each other. Wait, though, you're going to pay the guy who wears down the defenses, but not the guy who makes defenses pay. 
Right. That's what I do not understand. And for for my what my opinion counts for, Philip Lindsay was doing just fine on his own wearing down defenses. Put on the 2019 tape. He was running inside. He was running outside. He was catching passes. He was making guys miss. He was bowling over guys. He is way more of a workhorse than the Broncos think he is, and a lot of fans think he is. I, I just that's what I saw from Lindsay last year. There was a Zeke stat that I saw on Twitter. I can't. Was it PFF? Dang it! I thought that I retweeted it so I wouldn't lose it. But anyway, it showed. Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Bear with me one second, because this is again. We don't want you guys thinking that we're just straight up hating on Melvin Gordon. He isn't just some you know three yards in a cloud of dust type of guy. Let me just see if I can find this real quick. I'll take one or two more seconds. If not, we'll just have to cover another. Yeah, I don't know where it is. Anyway, we'll maybe grab that tomorrow night because we're out of time for this evening, gang. Thanks to each and every one of you joining us, spending some time with us on a Wednesday night. If we didn't get to your question, if we didn't get to your comment, your reaction, your take, save it. Holler back tomorrow night because it is the Mile High Mailback tomorrow night our favorite podcast of each and every week. We'll have one brief topic to open the show where we'll kind of get the, get the gears turning and, and get things lubed up. And then we go straight to the chat stream, whatever's on your mind. That's what we're going to base the entire show around. So have your questions locked and loaded guys. And uh, we'll take care of you tomorrow night. In the meantime, though, make sure you're following my partner on Twitter, Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL. You can find me at Chad N. Jensen. Follow the main podcast account at Huddle Up Pod and at Mile High Huddle. And don't forget, gang, if you're in a position, check out the merch store, huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on and buy whatever you do. Make sure you subscribe, like, and share. Wherever you're watching this live or even after the fact, subscribe, like, share. Those three things can help us out more than you know. Again, thanks to everybody, and it's a mile-high salute to our Super Chat superstars. We love you guys. And, Zach, tomorrow night we'll we'll uh, drop some knowledge. It'll be fun opening up that mailbag and seeing what's on everybody's mind. Still always crossing my fingers for some news. I mean, at this point, you know, Thursday's always a night to look forward to, same as you. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to the questions. So I'll see you then. See everyone else then. Have a good night. All right, guys. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Shout out to Buona Beast. We love you. That's right. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. 
Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.